So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 11 through 19. Um, Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. I'm trying to make sure that we have, I don't know what's happening here. Ah, just a sec. All right, it's better. So Luke 17, verses 11 through 19 reads, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. And they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself or or knelt down or fell at Jesus' feet and, and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where where are they at? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let me pause here and pray before I continue. Father in heaven, I want your spirit to be with us today as we dive into your word, and as we seek your face at this moment, may your blessing of inspiration be with each and every one of us today at this moment. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the story seems short. It's simple. Jesus is once again en route to the city of Jerusalem. And you know, you, you tend to notice much more about a place when you are forced to walk through it, right? Rather than driving through it or, or flying, how many of us do. Um, it, it's a tedious step-by-step journey leading to Jerusalem that leads Jesus and his, and his disciples through a sort of in-between place. It's a divided place. It's a place where identity played a huge, huge role. It was the region between Samaria and Galilee, two regions that uh, were not exactly known as the best neighborhoods in Judea. A traveling teacher and his disciples, you know, they, they entered this village looking for a place to stay. And as they walk in, they, they hear, likely, in, in my imagination as I'm reading this, Imagine them hearing, unclean, unclean, as 10 lepers approach. The disciples perhaps stopped in their tracks, knowing to keep their distance, right? They see 10 figures approaching them, covering their faces, keeping themselves unseen. And Jesus watches them approach, right? Jesus is very passive in this story. He, we don't really know what he's doing, but, but we, we, we get the sense that he 
He's watching this happen. And they call out to him. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, notice how they they refer to him, right? First, by name. Secondly, by recognizing his authority. Master was a term that would be used out of respect uh, to a teacher, right? But, But this Jesus, he has no formal training. He has no credentials. There is no teaching license. And yet they recognize that he has a qualification, right? That he has authority. They had heard of him, no doubt. Perhaps they they sat together at night discussing uh, this wandering teacher who who they had heard that he, he could heal and, and even raise the dead. There was no video evidence, right? No radio coverage, no social media. Anything that was known about Jesus was known by word of mouth. And I'm sure this stirred some hope in the group, right? I'm sure the 10 argued what they'd do if if they heard of him coming. Uh, The thing about a traveling teacher is that, again, you don't know what he looks like. You'd first have to listen uh, to the rumors, to the word of mouth accounts, uh, to discern if if he was anywhere near you. Uh, Then you'd have to look for a group of approximately 13 men uh, walking together, <laughs> traveling together, and, and sometimes a few women would join them as well. So it was it was a changing number. You didn't know. And, and there were no pictures of this Jesus. So even if you knew about him, you'd have to keep an eye out, right? Uh, you'd have to keep your senses out, trying to figure out where he might be. And I'm sure they debated that they really debated whether they should be hopeful that, that Jesus would even come near them. I'm sure that they also missed their families and their homes and their people. They were a group of misfits living together, helping each other meet their basic needs. You see, leprosy could refer to any number of incurable skin diseases or conditions. It's easy to brush off their condition because most of us have never had to deal with something like that. But the reality was that these lepers had become outcasts due to their skin. Their appearance was scarred, and and, and it was unpleasant to the average person. And they were branded unclean because of something that they had done nothing to contract. But the scarring was not just physical, I'm sure. I'm sure it also scarred their hearts. Each time they looked at their reflection, each time someone pointed out their defect, every time someone turned from them in both fear and disgust, doubtless their self-esteem was non-existent. They had no prospects of marriage, of a family, of a normal life. Some had possibly left their families, quarantined from society, finding refuge with others like themselves. Their skin condition also kept them from God's presence, right? Because at that time, people like them were considered ritually unclean. God's presence resided in the most holy place in the temple in Jerusalem, but they could not go anywhere near that. Imagine feeling that, that distance from God because of your skin, 
they were physically distant from God. But there was this man among the ten who was not only a leper like the other nine, but he was also a Samaritan. And interestingly, even though Samaritans and Jews shared nothing in common, this Samaritan had found refuge with the nine, who are believed to have all been Jews. And their friendship was likely founded upon this common condition. The Samaritan was twice cursed in that world, right? Can you imagine the crushing shame carried by that man in a world that believed that your illness was a reflection of your sinfulness? A man like that had nowhere to go to be or to simply just live. The 10 called out to Jesus, all 10, recognizing his authority and asking for divine compassion. The term used for mercy has a connection of divinity. It was a statement of faith. Have compassion or have mercy on us because we are nothing. We are worthless. We are scarred. We are ashamed of who we are. Jesus rather than speaking a word of healing right there in that moment, instead of reaching out and touching them, instead of fulfilling that request immediately, Jesus also keeps his distance. In divine wisdom, he asks them to enact their faith by going to a priest and presenting themselves. He says, go, show yourselves to the priest. And of course, the Jews, they know what this means. It's, it's, it's a test of faith because going to a priest meant that they were going to be healed, that they did not yet see the healing in their bodies. See, in, 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 their, in their rules of, of their society, if someone like them became healed, became clean, they had to go to the priest to present themselves so that the priest could confirm that they were indeed clean and restore them to normal society, to normal life, right? So this command to go and present themselves was a word of hope, a seed of faith, a faith the size of a mustard seed. Jesus sowed it in their minds, this hope that they would be healed by the time they reached the priest. There was no way that a leper could stand in the presence of a priest and much less in the presence of God. So they must be healed by the time they got there. Now, there's a certain distance we, we ourselves feel when we are in a condition uh, such as theirs, right? When we feel distant from God, when we feel like we cannot come and be in his presence. There's a, a canyon, it seems, that cannot be crossed, a, a bridgeless divide, an a, 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 a unmeasurable distance. But, but hearing Jesus' words, these, these 10 lepers, they quickly begin their journey to see a priest. They see a way. They see a bridge. And, and as they go, the Bible says they were made clean as they went. Now, here's the thing. Jesus knew there was a Samaritan among them. Jesus knew he was detestable not only because of his condition, but because of his identity. Jesus could heal his body, but an identity cannot be changed. The Samaritan went along with the nine, perhaps hoping that no one would notice what he was. Perhaps if he, if he just snuck into the temple with the others, he could show himself to the priest without being seen. 
or being recognized as Samaritan. Jesus knew. He knew this situation that he had put this Samaritan in, right? The nine knew that the command to go show themselves to the priest meant they'd be healed. The Samaritan did not know that. The Samaritan did not have the same hope. The Samaritan did not believe that the temple was even really the place of the correct place of worship. He, but he went along. He hoped against hope that something would work out. To the Jews, God resided within that temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, however, worshipped on a different mount, away from the organized religion of Jerusalem and its sacrifices, away from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. The Samaritan had not put God into the same uh, box that the others had. That box, their religion assured them that going to the temple meant that they would be healed. That framework of understanding. Uh, they'd do exactly as Jesus tells, uh, told them because Jesus was working within that religious framework to communicate the image of God to the Jews. But off they go, all 10 in a hurry. When all of a sudden, we hear, clean, I'm clean. We're, we're clean. We're healed. And thrilled, they continue onward. They had acted in faith, and they had been restored. The Samaritan among them, I'm sure, was extremely excited, right? He knew at once that he, he wouldn't be rejected. He wouldn't have to face rejection in Jerusalem, that, or near a priest, that he knew that he had been restored. He had been saved from the harsh realities of his condition and his identity. Now, I'm going to pause here because what does this say to us today in our current situations? You know, if, if we hear Jesus tell us to present ourselves as healed, as clean, as beautiful, instead of blemished, scarred, and unclean. If that command resonates with you, spiritually, physically, psychologically, and even relationally, if you recognize the one who speaks those words to you, then you must walk. You must take a step because you are not what they say you are. What you've been called, what you've maybe called yourself, the message is clear. You are not rejected. You are not far away from God and you are not worthless. Take the step, take the next hope and trust in the words of the master who has redeemed you. The kingdom has come near, Jesus says. Walk, go. You aren't all the things that you've believed. You are not cursed. You are not forgotten. You are not erased. No, you are wonderfully, beautifully knit together. You are a masterpiece of creation. You see, Jesus healed their bodies. The 10 lepers' bodies were clean, but overall, he healed their emotional scars. The ones reflected 
on their skin. These were internal, the deepest, darkest scars that, that, that were healed in that moment. When Jesus says, go and show yourself, you who have been in hiding, you who have been ashamed, you who have been told you are nothing but a sinner, unclean, untouchable, detestable, go and show yourself. Your healing comes as you take the step. Your scars disappear as you begin to walk in faith. Jesus heals even today even someone like you. Jesus is compassionate. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. He is the truth forever. We are told that not, not only that the Samaritan returned, but when he had seen that he had healed, but, but he also began praising God out loud. No one could ignore it. Everyone could see it and hear it. He, and then he comes and he fell down at Jesus' feet. And the disciples, I'm sure, saw him for what he was all of a sudden, right? No longer covered in a cloak, a half-Jew, a half-person because of his identity. And though Jesus had told the ten to present themselves to the priests, where was the Samaritan supposed to go? Jews didn't even speak to Samaritans, not the average Jews anyway. The Samaritan might be rejected from the temple simply because of his ethnicity. He'd be rejected before even stepping foot near a priest. But recognizing not only the authority of Jesus, but also Jesus' divinity, the Samaritan returns, praising God and falling at Jesus' feet and thanking him. This act of worship says more than a thousand words could describe. In doing so, The Samaritan recognized that his healing had come from Jesus, not from his own act of going to a priest, not from entering a temple, not even from being in the presence of God at the temple. But he, in an instant, recognized that God had walked into his neighborhood, into his village, into his what had been his miserable existence. And Jesus lifted him higher than he could have ever imagined. The Samaritan recognized in spirit and in truth who had healed him. He recognized the creative word of God that that had recreated his body. He witnessed his own physical transformation followed by his spiritual and emotional restoration. Imagine what it would have been like to be healed from from something that that puts you away in hiding from even your own family members. If God, in human form, would dare to restore him, an unclean leper, a detestable Samaritan, then everything he had believed about himself was a lie. Gratefulness is an act of worship a response to healing of the body, of the spirit, and of the mind, a response to restoration. Jesus has redeemed us, restored us, recreated us. Um, My question to you today is this. What do you need healing from today? What part of you needs recreation, restoration, redemption? 
Have you believed that you are unwanted, that you are unseen, detestable, worthless? You are not. The same creative word of God present at creation is the same creative word present in Jesus Christ. You are seen through the eyes of heaven. You are called good because he makes you good. Jesus sees who you truly are and challenges all the false beliefs that you maybe believe about yourself. What to you is worthless, to him is priceless. What to you is unwanted, Jesus gives his life for. What to you is ashes, uh, Jesus, he makes beauty from those ashes. Because Jesus is a transformation to the one that believes and to the one who worships in thankfulness. All good things come from your Father above. He makes all things new. He recreates. Jesus speaks. He says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus healed all 10 lepers, knowing that they all had faith, regardless of whether he'd be thanked, much less worshipped. What a compassionate Savior we have. He saves us while we are still distant, while we are still uh, even sinners or his enemies, while we are still distant. He sows the seed of faith and hope in us. A God that gives his life for a humanity that might not appreciate it is a God who can only be defined as love and compassion. Defying our concepts of worth, our concepts of beauty, our concepts of what true living means. Jesus stood and he saw the pain in the eyes of the lepers and decided in an instant that they would be restored. But it is the Samaritan that receives a double blessing, a double blessing of healing and of being granted an audience with his creator. (laughs) And there is yet another blessing, that of being a Samaritan. His identity goes from a curse to a blessing because, because he was not a Jew, he was able to recognize God outside of that God-shaped box that Jews knew as a temple. Because as a Samaritan, they uh, he had worshipped on a different uh, mount, in a different place. Because Samaritan's theology and their practice of faith were different from that of the Jews. He was also able to recognize God outside of that. He was able to recognize Jesus' divine identity. My hope is that we find ourselves redeemed and restored and healed, uh, that we can also be uh, thankful, that we can be grateful for the very fact that we have a hope, that in our thanksgiving, we can recognize the divinity of Jesus, that we may fall at Jesus' feet in prayer, and that we may find ourselves restored in the presence of our Creator. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are 
restored. Begin walking in this new life. Walk in faith because you are restored, forgiven, and given life. You and I, we have breath in our lungs and a beat in our hearts. That itself is a miracle. That doesn't happen by chance. We are all living miracles. Be thankful for what you are. Be thankful for your identity. For that identity allows you to identify Jesus for who he is. Jesus came so that you and I could have the fullness of life. To know God. Jesus came to embrace us, to redeem us. Now, do do we feel that? Do we sense the affirmation of the spirit of Jesus? That is the seed of faith. That goodness, that healing, that restoration do exist. Faith that light will always break the darkness. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among or within or inside you. Has the kingdom of God come near you today? Has the kingdom arrived among you? Celebrate it. Worship your Redeemer, the author of your faith, a faith written in your hearts. May your love be quickened. May your minds become clear. May your sight be restored. May that box that you've maybe put God into, may it shatter. May the power of Christ transform you from the inside out. You are God's beautiful ones, the Lord's beloved. You cherished priceless ones. You who have been covered by his unfathomable grace, you treasured ones, you who are called by Christ's name, return to the Lord, fall at his feet, love him in return. Always remember to never forget. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. May you be blessed by Christ's love today and always. May you ever be thankful. For in your thankfulness, you will find yourselves in the presence of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today because we can come to your presence. We thank you today because you have sowed the seed of faith in all of us. May we walk in this new life that you are giving us and that we may become clean even as we begin to take our steps towards you. We pray a special blessing on all those who are listening today and all those who will listen later and and their families and loved ones and friends and neighborhoods. Father, we pray for this church. It is your church. It is your body. It is the body of Christ. May you heal the body of Christ. May you restore it, redeem it, and send it on on its mission. Father, we find our living and our being in you. We thank you for all things. We thank you for the cross and for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.